0: We're starting this week's episode off with a impromptu on-air unboxing, as Epi has received received something from Nathan. Uh, If you want to get right into our episode, you'll want to skip ahead about 10 minutes.
1: But if you want to hear more about Nathan's new game, One More Thing, listen to this next part. I went down to get my glass of water, and I I was like, walked by the front door, and we have like glass on the sides of the front door, and I saw this laying on the porch. So I thought, oh, I'll just grab that and do an unboxing here on the show okay this being for uh those who can't see us which is all of you uh a parcel from uh ndp design that's me to, yeah to epidi presumably uh it is oh god i chose the wrong day to clip my nails <laughs> presumably <laughs> it is uh um just one more thing wait that's the title right
0: the title is one more thing One more thing. So presumably it is just, comma, one more thing. One more thing. All right. Epi is currently using a screwdriver. Oh,
1: there's a lot of tape.
0: Yep. I I am prodigious with the tape. Oh,
1: yeah. I opened it without the need for tetanus shots this time. Oh, nice. This is very well packaged. Got a little foam insert. Got some nice tissue paper around it. Jesus. You spent some time, buddy.
0: <laughs> Get into a groove. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Oh, God. It's got heft. Yeah. There's a bunch of stuff in it. That's why there's a box. The
1: lovely box. Oh, it opens nicely. Not all boxes open nicely. I mean, I know that that's what you were looking for. Yes. Two six-sided dice of different color. Little meeples. Wow. Is this? Okay. These are different mysteries, these these packages of cards, right? Yes, not, those are okay. the
0: clues for the different pre-made cases.
1: Yeah. I just, we live in a post-legacy world, so now I'm like, oh. wait, am I allowed to read all? Oh, wow, that is nice. Sorry, I just, the one more thing, uh, note.
0: Oh, the little notebook?
1: Yeah, yeah detective notebook. Uh, that's got a nice texture to it, too there's the board Ooh, more Let me get rid of my screwdriver go <laughs> some assembly required
0: oh disassembly really this is a special exclusive for uh for our listeners yes <laughs> um so one more thing is a detective mystery game uh that i designed and uh developed with the aid of a friend out here named steven Stephen winchell um who also did all the art. And so it is clearly inspired by detective mystery fiction, such as Columbo. That's kind of the core dynamic that the game plays with. Um, but you can, you know, play it in all kinds of different genres or decades or, or whatnot. Um, you know, we also cite the Rockford files, of course, uh Poirot, uh, Miss Fisher, uh, mysteries, um, etc There we go. There's the board. That's an adorable board. I know it came out great, right? So it's a two player game. One of you plays the detective and the other plays the uh, murderer. You can either set those up uh, fully originally um, using the uh, writer's room mode or you can use one of the five included cases with the game uh, where you're on assignment. And so those are um, pick up and play scenarios. And uh, the board represents how the audience sees your murderer. And so as you play, the detective builds their case with the clues and the murderer tries to cast doubt, which of course only creates more clues. Um, and you see whether the audience ends up sympathetic to them or not and how much evidence they end up with against them. The murderer always gets caught in the end, but the board state tells you kind of what their uh you know, how their story is going to end and what the the audience watching your show thinks of them. Wow. This is, this is quite nice. Thank you. I mean, I don't mean to sound surprised. (laughs) And we actually did not, we did not plan this as a promo. Uh, that no. he literally got this package as <laughs> we were sitting down to record this episode, so right, we'll treat serendipity as it comes.
1: I love your detective and murderer images. I'm going to show them to you. Oh, thank you, because <laughs> you've you've seen them. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's great. Stephen's art uh, is great. The box set comes with the, the board, the rule book, the five cases, which are two little pamphlets, one for each player, and then a deck of clue cards um dice which are used for the writer's room mode where you come up with your own detective or murderer uh meeples there's two because there is one scenario where you both are on the board where you don't know which one of you did the murder
1: oh nice
0: um reference cards uh and two tear away character sheet pads so that you can you know just use the kind of disposable pads to make your um make your characters so it's everything you need to play except for a pencil so um the hand assembly on this. <laughs>
1: Did you have to like sort the cards into the... the?
0: Yeah, there was a lot of assembly because... So for people who are not familiar with how this stuff works, because it was a low-volume effort and things couldn't get ordered all together in quantity because that would require a much higher order, all the parts were kind of ordered from different places and then assemb- hand-assembled. So the box and the board came from one place. All of the printed stuff uh so the the character pads the rule book and the case files came from one place so those all had to be collated into sets and then those go in a box and then each deck of cards we could have just put the whole deck in there as they came which were just right plastic banded but i thought it would be nicer to have them separated so each case is in its own little ziploc um so those just had to be sorted into those and then the dice and meeples put into a bag and we had a little socially distant packing party to help get everything together, but... Because it was kind of a long process with COVID-related delays through manufacturing. It was kind of like yeah. all of the all the printed stuff came at once. So I was able to just like collate that during my spare time while I was waiting for the boxes to get done. Like that kind of stuff.
1: I don't know why I never noticed this before because I've seen this cover like every time. Because that's what you do. You share the, the, yeah. the image of the cover. But this is this is great how the murderer is literally throwing the murder weapon away yep. as the detective comes back in with like, oh, one more thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, that was the first, I mean, that was kind of their origination of it all was going to, I mean, I came up with kind of the, the core of the writer's room mode, which is the more role-playing version. Um, you know, I've been working on that for a while and playtesting it. And then uh, I started working with Steven on some other stuff. He does a murder mystery radio play occasional podcast. Hmm. It, it follows uh, Marty Crane from Fraser when he was a young police detective in Seattle. <laughs> You told so him and his yeah. wife are the are the protagonists. Uh, and so I've helped do some of the mystery development for those scripts uh, for that stuff. and then he's also a cartoonist. And so working out this like basic image was like a lot of the uh, a lot of the original creative momentum for the for the project. Yeah, he's great. Um, anyway, so there's your promo for one more thing. That's
1: great. That's wonderful.
0: It is in limited quantities, but by the time you hear this, uh, you know you can check it out at ndpdesign.com. There's the box sets. There will be a set of, like, just all the printed stuff, like all the booklets, because I have more of those. And then you just would print the board yourself, and then everything else you can get um, from me. Uh, and there's also a digital print-and-play version.
1: Nice. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, em and I, obviously, were looking at two-player games a lot.
0: <laughs> but thanks for your unboxing. That was fun. That was It was fun. Uh, that,
1: I'm super excited. I w- I literally was thinking... Yesterday, I was like, I should have this game by now. No, not that, but like, mm-hmm. you know.
0: I'm glad that it finally got to you.
1: Yeah. Should we jump into this episode? Hello, Jim Rockford's machine. This is Larry Noheny's machine.
0: Will you please have your master call my master at his convenience? Thank you. Thank you. Welcome to 200 a Day, the <laughs> podcast where, aside from doing on-air unboxings, we also <laughs> talk about the 70s television detective show, The Rockford Files. I am Nathan Poletta. I'm Epidiah Ravishaw. For this show, we are going down a dusty desert road to a uh, to, to one of your picks, Epi.
1: Yeah, uh, we're going to do episode six from season two, The Great Blue Lake Land and... <laughs> <laughs> the Great Blue Lake Land and Development Company. And this was uh, recommended from Twitter. And if I were on the ball... Diogo, let's say Diogo, Diogo from Twitter, a <laughs> uh, fan of the show. Uh, he says that for his money, this has the best Rocky line of the series. So mm-hmm. as we go through this, we're going to have to keep in mind uh, and, and maybe uh, take our guesses at what what we think that line mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. This was, this was a, an enjoyable watch. Uh, I was excited to sit down and watch this and super excited when I saw that uh, Juanita Bartlett uh, <laughs> came up as the the writer.
0: Yeah, definitely. We'll get into it, but this is uh, it's an interesting. Um, it's it's kind of a proto issue episode without really being an issue episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll I'll talk about that a little later when we once we've gotten through it because um, there's some some info from Wanita about the inspiration for this episode yeah this episode uh if it, if this episode had happened earlier
1: like say in season one mm-hmm. uh it, i would i would be like this is where they were figuring out a bunch of the stuff that later became sort of standard rockford files uh well i again we'll get into it right then. sure but um
0: yeah it's an interesting place yeah. it feels it, it feels a little more like a season one episode to me as well yeah this one is directed by lawrence dhoney uh, who we will actually get a reference to in the show. Oh! I don't know if you caught that. No. Um, we've been keeping an eye on our directors recently. Uh, we're, we're not quite close enough to do a full retrospective um, because he did direct 12 episodes of of the show uh, across the first two seasons, but we have done a lot of them, uh, including perennial favorites, Chicken Little's Little Chicken, Farnsworth Stratagem, Um, after we do this, we have four more before we get to the end of the Doni cycle, (laughs) putting in, putting in the good work. And this, uh, this one feels a little bit like a fun one, I think from the production standpoint, uh, this is a totally on the road episode. Jim's not in LA at all. So it's all on location somewhere and there's a helicopter involved. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) it seems like it was probably a, a fun one to kind of, you know, get out of the city and go do go do out somewhere in the desert
1: yeah i think uh that chase near the end well i I would i would not be surprised if i heard they were like oh i just want to drive the car out in the desert so let's (laughs) let's put an episode around that
0: the reference which actually our listeners already heard but did you catch in the answering machine message
1: is it the robot yeah oh that's great this is
0: this is larry doney's Machine.
1: That's wonderful. I do. I do like that. Kind of cringy.
0: <laughs> like <laughs> that's a deep cut for us specifically. It's like yeah. Anyone watching the show who maybe noticed the name and then saw his name in the credits. Yeah. But really, it's for the. That's that's just a that's an Easter egg for uh
1: for the podcast that would eventually arise right.
0: Forty five years later. I well let me let's because we don't normally
1: talk about the answering machine messages, but let me just ask you a question about this answering machine message. Is this answering machine message left by a robot or is it left by someone who's pretending to be a robot for a joke for Jim Rockford's sake?
0: I believe it is the second one.
1: Oh, yeah, that's what I was thinking, too, because it really it felt like the kind of joke that people would make about answering machine messages in the 70s. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I meant by cringy because
0: it just felt like that. Like, oh, yeah. It's like, yes, you're very funny. Thanks, Larry. (laughs) <laughs> well, other than that, the answering machine actually does not really come into play in this episode, uh, but instead we do get some, some elements, of, some exciting elements in our preview montage.
1: Oh yeah. So, uh, I broke the preview montage down to three mysteries. Mm. Uh, Mm. the first one is, and this gets answered pretty quick. Uh, where did Rockford get (laughs) (laughs) $10,000? He's like, $10,000 of my money and I'm immediately suspicious. Like what, where'd that come from? Uh, and then the next one is helicopter. Uh, and then finally, um, Uh, one of many wonderful rocky lines from this episode where he's like they're selling an invisible lake i just (laughs) need to know about this invisible lake i I think the the montage does a great job of um setting the stakes showing you that there's going to be action because just like they could have had a helicopter just sitting on the ground and just a still photo of it Mm. and you'd know there'd be action
0: the desert chase is something to anticipate um We start the preview montage with a mention of 10 grand and getting his money back, and then we end it with a death threat. uh, Oh, yes. uh, Death by drowning or whatever. So clearly we need to see how we get from A to B. Hello, listeners. We're going to take a quick break to say thank you to our patrons over at patreon.com slash 200 a day. As always, we extend a special thanks to our gumshoe level patrons. This time, we say thank you to Shane Liebling. If you play games online, you should check out his free dice rolling app, Roll for Your Party, at rollforyour.party. Jay Adan, check out his amazing miniature painting skills over at Jayadon.com. Dylan Winslow, Dale Norwood, Dave P., and Dale Church. And finally, big thanks to our detective-level patrons. Check them out on Twitter. Eric Antenor, at Antenor, A-N-T-E-N-E-R. Brian Pereira, at Thermoware. Bill Anderson, at Billand88, and of course, Richard Haddam, at Richard Haddam. We follow them, too, at 200pod. Why become a patron? In addition to supporting the show and exclusive episode previews, our patrons get Plus Expenses, a bonus podcast where we casually chat about all the media we're currently enjoying. 200 a day will remain free to all for as long as we do it, but if you want to help support us and get access to the Plus Expenses audio feed, you can become a patron for just $1 an episode. Help out the show by leaving a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. Tell a friend who you think would like it and check out patreon.com slash 200 a day to see if becoming a patron is right for you. Is this a country theme of the Rockford Files (laughs) Uh, theme song? Mm -hmm.
1: I mean, we say this, I think, a lot, but I just love the variety of music they pull (laughs) out of that theme. Uh, for this show.
0: Yeah, this is the, I don't know, road road trip cruising music. Yeah.
1: Oh. And I, I'm just going to lay some appreciation down on just, like, I wrote it in my notes, uh, is this going to just be a full-on pleasant drive in the country? <laughs> <like> <laughs>
0: just, just 49 minutes of watching Jim drive a car. I, I'm in. <laughs> this... First scene in this whole establishment, uh, in particular, the score really does a lot of the work uh, yeah. to kind of go in and out. So we do start with seeing Jim driving the Firebird through the desert. Titles are playing as we, uh, uh, I don't know, we we go in out all around. Yeah, really enjoy the the sense of space and uh, and movement. He is wearing an amazing uh, red and white stripy shirt, uh, which is a strong look. Yeah, it's a. It has
1: some a little trouble with my television set. Oh yeah, <laughs> it does the. Uh, I, I'm sure there's a word for that thing where it creates the weird patterns. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's a good look.
0: And we uh, we definitely see that it's hot. He has the windows down. Uh, it seems like he's not getting anything on the radio. Uh, I think he looks yeah. like he scans through some static. Um, but then there start to be some spluttering sounds, and Jim frowns, and we can see that he's having some car. Something's wrong with the with the poor firebird um he pulls over to you know take a look and he's next to a giant sign that says the great blue lake land and development company turn here uh so as you know people who've tuned into a show and seen the title we're like aha Mm -hmm. yeah
1: so the the sign might as well say uh your mystery over here. Turn here for mystery. Tur- turn here for plot. My uh, one of my notes here is this. It's oh, it's a lovely, long, luxurious establishing shot. Like that's what we got here, and I love it. I like it. Just again, uh, something to just kind of relish in it might be the day i was having when i watched it but i was like yes this is all i want right now i want to just sink into the world of rockford as he drives into this town clearly in the middle of nowhere
0: uh yeah absolutely like i I think part of the 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 fun that they were having was like having all this landscape to really like use for all these nice big shots and also uh you know we saw it in the preview montage that there is a helicopter i think the fact that they had a helicopter they really got a lot of juice out of that yeah um (laughs) because there's a lot there's a lot of helicopter (laughs) shot um in this episode which is also pretty good
1: throughout this establishing shot we're also getting hints well obviously because he pulled over to check his engine yeah we know that he's He's got car troubles. Right. uh, And that's setting us up for uh,
0: just Jim's luck. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Jim having car trouble going through a random California town usually does not bode well for him. Yeah. Yeah, so it goes down this long uh, dirt road uh, to get to this Great Blue Lake. So there's some terminology drift, I think, throughout the episode. But I guess the town, they they all refer to as Great Blue Lake, I think. Ah. So that's what we'll say. And then there's the company, which is... The development. The development. The developer, yeah. So he pulls into Great Blue Lake, pulls up to a gas station uh, with a sign prominently in the foreground so that we can see that it is the last gas and groceries for 35 miles. Yeah. And then the proprietor is literally closing up shop as Jim uh, rolls in. He says that he got some sand in his gas line, or some sand in his fuel line is what he thinks is the problem. and. Of course, would like to try and get his car fixed, but this guy is closing up for the night. He can't just stay open a little while longer because he is the night manager at the motel, and he needs to be there, you know, to start his shift. Yes. But he does offer him a rate on, uh, on a room, and uh, they can deal with his car in the morning.
1: It's fun to watch Jim get frustrated at every turn. You... We all know how this is going to go.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We've seen the preview montage.
1: Yeah. We're going to just watch Jim bang his head against this guy who is like, no, I'm living my life. Jim has other concerns. He's got something burning a hole in his pocket here.
0: Yeah. The real issue here is that he needs a safe. Um, He has some important papers. Uh, He says that should be in a bank, but uh, apparently this town does not yet have a bank. But Mm -hmm. everyone uses the safe in the land development office. Uh, He says it's just as safe as a bank. I believe he mentions that uh, he has $500 in there himself. (laughs) (laughs) And so Jim is, as you say, frustrated at every turn. This is basically a horror movie set up right
1: yeah there's plenty of horror movies with this v- beginning the whole town is going to be against Jim and I think we just are supposed to know that right off the bat mm-hmm. uh, in fact uh, that I spend most of my time wondering is this person in on something that's mm-hmm. going to like that they're trying to or is it just they're just a small town and they don't trust this outsider
0: yeah there's an interesting tension that I think is played for tr- tension in yeah. the episode about like like how much collusion is happening versus how much is this just what happens when you live in a small town and a stranger comes through yeah but we will get to that later uh for now jim goes to the great blue lake sales office and i like this this is a nice contrast right where everything's been dusty and desert kind of shabby and then when we cut to this, it's like beautiful manicured green yeah. lawn. It's like a Southwest chic kind of building, very familiar to me from uh, 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 growing up in New Mexico. And kind of there's a look of of a a nice place that is that is built intentionally to highlight like the regional look. Right. And this uh, this building definitely has that. Jim uh, uh, goes in to the uh, goes into the building and we get a there's a big model uh, of you know what I assume is the development right um, in the lobby so it's this uh, big uh, uh, diorama. 3d yeah like diorama big enough so you can walk around and look at it and there's like the lake in the middle and all the green hills around it and stuff like that
1: nice tall trees yeah that's important yeah <laughs>
0: But there's, there's only one guy in there. He's also closing up. Uh, he was, in mm-hmm. fact, supposed to be gone half an hour ago. But he says that his name is Murray Johnson. Um, he's a salesperson there. And that the safe is a courtesy extended to residents of the town. And I believe this is where Jim explains his his issue here. Yeah. Which is that he has $10,000 in bail money in cash uh, for a client. And mm. he, you know, wants to keep that in a safe while he's going to be there overnight he offers a bribe he offers a fifty dollar uh tip to yeah. uh you know allow use of this safe um johnson says that uh mr hart is in charge and it's his safe and he mo- he may not like this just having some random person using it uh and you're not a resident jim says uh sure i am staying at the hotel until i fix my car it's fifty dollars huh and i uh, believe we cut from there
1: nothing to trust about this situation <laughs> like there's <laughs> nothing here is is making me think that that money is safe in any way mm-hmm. but jim does so
0: there is something here about how and maybe this is um Getting back to a little bit of maybe the season oneness, though this is also a thing about season two, where we've talked about this before, how kind of canonically some of the season two episodes have Jim being taken advantage of more, and that right. was something that people didn't like as audience, right? Um, and this actually falls into that pretty pretty strongly because I. Based not on this episode, but just based on my expectations of Jim Rockford. I'm like, why did he tell him it was $10,000? Yeah. Like, why did he just say it was something important? There's a level of, like, I'm going to tell you this fact in order that this plot is going to happen uh, a little bit. But maybe Jim's just, you know, he's he's a trusting guy. Well, he's not entirely trusting,
1: too, which we find out about what happens later.
0: Well, which we find out immediately because... We cut to him following this guy Johnson. Yeah, as he goes to his you know, to his house or whatever, presumably. And Jim watches him from the Firebird on the street as he parks and goes in, grabs a key off of the, like the light next to the door, which is important later, uh, and takes some notes about his address, um, possibly his car uh, license number, um, and then he drives on to the motel. So Jim isn't totally—he's he's covering his bases a little bit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I do agree with you on the the uh, just declaring how much money it is. The only thing that makes me wonder is just like if he said it's important papers I'll pay you $50, does that increase the chances that this guy will look into that? Like does mm-hmm. it Offer Jim a chance to sum this guy up by telling him how much money it is right away, because then if the guy's like, "Okay, we'll put that in the bank," Jim could be suspicious of him. Mm-hmm. Whereas instead, uh, if he's like, "Oh, I'll pay you fifty dollars. These are just important papers," he doesn't have a chance of testing whether this guy might sure. just look at it and then run off with it. I don't. I I'm, maybe I'm, I'm I'm giving Jim more credit than what this, the the episode is trying to <laughs> to offer here.
0: Well, Jim does get settled in at the hotel and he calls uh, He calls his own phone um, yes. to get in touch with Rocky who's been waiting there uh, but apparently who's been there for an hour and just not answering the phone <laughs> <laughs> so I guess the situation is so Jim has this client that's in county jail and mm-hmm. Jim has this money to bail him out and he's supposed to be back tonight, and he's clearly not. And so now the lawyer is calling Jim's phone, where Rocky is the only one there answering it, uh, to, to yell at him about where's where's this money.
1: Yeah. Rocky's getting tired of being hollering at.
0: Yep. Jim uh says that, you know, he's having car trouble, but he'll be back in LA at noon, one at the latest. Um and uh Rocky has a good good uh bit here where he's he says Uh, This guy's getting pretty mad. He he really doesn't want to stay in jail tonight. I don't want to give him the bad news. And Jim says that it's not all bad. It's Thursday. They have chicken fried steak for dinner on Thursdays. (laughs) It's great. It's
1: a nice little establishment of the the fact that Jim has done time, right? Mm -hmm. Like he knows what the county lockup is like.
0: So my question for you, has Jim been calling and leaving messages on on his own machine and Rocky (laughs) has been ignoring them?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Probably Jim has been calling and then hanging up because the machine, like, probably doesn't expect Rocky to check his messages. Mm. But I could be wrong about that.
0: I mean, it is never explained. It is a bit of a just because we're, you know, answering machine aficionados. Yes, yes. <laughs> but yes, I would also not expect Rocky to check Jim's messages. Yeah. Well, we uh, clip right along. Um, it's the next morning and Jim's back at the Great Blue Lake sales office to recover his property. Now that it's the morning and, you know, it's business hours. Um, we have a bunch of there's a bunch of clients in there. They're all looking at the model. Uh, it's, yeah. mostly, it's all older people. Yeah. We're seeing that this is some kind of development that is being marketed uh, and sold towards like retirees. That kind of that kind of, of jammy jam. There's a fast-talking salesman who intercepts Jim and is trying to sell him on uh, looking at some of these these properties. And Jim, uh, you know, just says that he wants to talk to Mr. Hart. Mr. Hart, he's not in sales.
2: Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There's this wonderful, I guess, exposition thing that they're doing here where this person the 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 salesman is trying to convince jim that he's making the right choice being a younger person buying into this right uh because the older people won't have a chance to cash out on it or whatever right
0: or like you'll have a longer like your investment's going to have longer to to give you returns
1: yeah but clearly so you have like there's mainly old people there looking at it but then this guy is straight up stating that they're bilking old people without saying it and then like walks back from it because he suddenly realizes, wait a minute, this is a happening young man. (laughs) He's probably (laughs) wants other happening young folk to be around him. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Yeah, I I thought it was a good, good bit of dialogue. And it's fun to see, like, knowing what I I mean, I know I'm watching a Rockford Files, but also just this isn't a timeshare one. We went into that when uh, (laughs) Dennis fell for the timeshare way, Mm -hmm. way long ago. But like everything about this felt skeezy from the get go, from from the, the giant billboard in the middle of the desert saying that there's a lake there, you know, like all of that. Uh, but this one, this moment, nails it home. And I like watching Jim trying to let this guy know that he's not there to be scammed. Right, right. <laughs> I just need to get to the point and get out of here. I know what you're trying to do. And I... I'm i just not
0: interested. Yeah. Well, while he's trying to make that point, uh, we see an older man come out of an office and kind of eavesdrop on them. Uh, it turns out that this is indeed Mr. Hart, um, who has Jim go ahead and come in. And then this scene is is uh, one where I'm uh, I'm I'm expecting it, and then I'm just so pleased that my expectation is fulfilled. Yeah. Where Jim yeah. uh, just says, you know, says his piece. Uh, he's like, "I'd like to get my money out of your safe. Here's my receipt. He, he has like a written receipt." And uh, Mister Hart listens, nods, listens, and then just says that uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Dun dun dun. <laughs>
2: yes, ten thousand dollars. That's right. It's uh, signed for by Murray Johnson. And just who the devil is Murray Johnson? He's one of your salesmen. Well, I have three salesmen. Have Paul Tanner, Terry Birch, and Henry Fielding. And Murray Johnson. What kind of a shakedown is this? What are you trying to pull?
0: You know, the, the crux of our first mystery here, right? Who Who knows what and who is trying to get one over on who? Mr. Hart, uh, you know, is like, I don't know anything about all this. I don't know this person. Jim has some reasonable points, I think. Well, he had a key to the building. He knew where the wall safe was. He showed it to me. I can tell you where it is. And he wrote a receipt on your letterhead. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But uh, this just angers Mr. Hart more. And he's going to call the sheriff, which Jim wants to see the sheriff as much as Hart does.
1: The fun bit about this conversation, I think, well, is that uh, maybe for the audience, But definitely for Jim, Hart is playing like he doesn't know or understand what Jim's talking about. And Jim's evidence isn't there to convince Hart that that this person exists and something like that. It's there to convince Hart that Hart's not going to be able to gaslight him, right? Like he's like, "I know that you're messing with me here, so drop the act. You don't have to do the act. I know you're messing with." Me. Mm-hmm. I at least that's my take on it. And I and I like that that interplay there.
0: Having watched the episode to this point, we saw this guy in the in the preview montage threatening to kill Jim. Yeah. So, there's a moment here which is actually an, another part of the mystery. Is this guy Hart scamming jim right now yeah and you kind of assume that he is at least i kind of assume that he is yeah like this is all some kind of weird setup and we'll find out more about how it's all gone down but right now this innocent act is part of stealing jim's money yes (laughs) another really economical thing that this episode does is uh cut two scenes where we start off Uh, immediately giving us the context for what has happened in the intervening time. Yeah. So we don't see Jim go over to the wall and move the painting and be like, here's the safe. You should open it and we'll see if my money's there. Right. We cut to Jim pulling up to the sheriff's office and the sheriff's behind him. And he comes out and he's like, look, this is all settled. There was no money in the safe, Yeah. (laughs) which I like. But uh, Jim wants to file a complaint. Um, Murray Johnson must have stolen my money. This sheriff, uh, he can't stop Jim from wasting both of their time. And then we have a good bit here.
2: Murray Johnson. Mm-hmm. Uh, height? Oh, he was about uh, uh, medium. Uh, weight? Average? Uh, normal. Hair? Uh, brown. brown. His eyes and his hair were brown. Light brown, dark brown? Medium. Uh, Look, Sheriff, I'm trying to be as accurate as I can, but he didn't have any distinctive features. He's just one of those guys kind of fades into the background. All right, uh, give me your home address and phone number, and anyone turns up looking average, medium, normal, I'll give you a call.
0: Jim says, there's, there, look, there's more to it. He has, you know, he has my money. Uh, he has a copy of the serial numbers of the bills. So it's like, yeah, apparently it is $10,000 bills.
1: Yeah, I've never seen one.
0: I've never seen a $1,000 bill. There is on the IMDb trivia, there is a, someone ha- has a note about how the thousand dollar bill, I guess they stopped being printed in the sixties. Uh-huh. And so by the time this episode came out, it would be pretty unusual to, to have any in circulation, but also, I don't know. It's, yeah. They existed. Like it's possible they're legal tender, but uh, yeah. But so he's like, I have the evidence that I had this money. Here are the serial numbers of the bills. And right. also I have Johnson's address because I followed him because I don't give someone $10,000 and just, you know, walk yeah. away. That's our gym. He's um, like, I want to go there now. And uh, I have a note here where the sheriff is suddenly very interested in going with him.
1: The same thing, like, uh, uh, we were just talking earlier about how, like, we're not entirely sure... Uh, if this is just a town a small town and jim is in it and therefore distrusted or if it the whole town is in on it, as we're watching this i'm like okay is the sheriff in on it because that not only is a possibility but it like has happened in rockford file right. plots, <laughs> maybe even before this episode like i they're all jumbled up in my head but um and my note here is just that like think that this guy's cooperating with jim (laughs) Mm -hmm. as it falls out i really kind of like where this uh sheriff plays because he's he's not on the take uh spoilers but he um is also not just going to take jim's word for it
0: he's kind of like appropriately suspicious Yeah, yeah and he's also part of this small town so he's naturally going to believe the people that he's known all his life over Jim, but he also has a job and it appears to want to do a good job. And I think that's uh, also definitely part of it. So we go to this house that he saw uh, Johnson going to, they knock on the door and a woman named Billy Answers. She and the sheriff know each other. Yeah. Right
1: off the bat. The sheriff is not at all shocked that she is there. I I think calls her by name, right? Mm -hmm. Like calls her to the door by name or something like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Jim tells a story, demonstrates that he saw, you know, where he saw the the man take the key from and he reaches up and it's, you know, that's where she keeps her key. Billy says that she she lives here by herself. She was busy at the restaurant at that time last night. That's where she works. Nothing was stolen or nothing's been messed with in her house. Sorry, can't help you, right? Right. And the sheriff here says, specifically, you know, it's a small town. She's lived here as long as I've been here. Like, I'm going to believe her, right?
1: Yeah, uh, there's a little bit about... Um, if, or is this a little later? I can't remember, but there was a little bit about, uh, if she was having men over the town is small, I would have heard about it. Like it, that's the kind of rumor that people would tell. Oh yeah. That's here
0: too. Yeah. Jim ends the, ends the scene saying that, uh, I'm going to get my money back. And at this point, I don't care how.
1: Yeah. That won't bite him in the ass.
0: <laughs> um, so at this point, can I throw out something that I think is, it's not a problem. But it's something that keeps that just like once I start noticing slash thinking about it, I cannot stop. Sure. At what point does Jim just go, you know, maybe he lied to me about his name.
1: <laughs> right. This episode has a few uh, moments like that. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Like that seemed like an obvious uh, thing, but also like.
0: Like, I don't know what you do with that information. It doesn't change anything. Right. But I think as a viewer, I was I, I it's like a little like itch where I'm like. Can someone just acknowledge that that he lied about his name? Because Jim's like, his name was this, and he did this for me, and everyone's like, yeah. I don't know who that is. So it's like, well, maybe he didn't tell me the right name.
1: Billy says... Nothing was taken. She would have known if someone was in the house, right? Right. But clearly Billy could, because Billy does know him by another name. Right. And he would have been able to come in and out of her house and and wouldn't take anything because they were involved.
0: Well, I think we kind of established later that she's, you know, that she's intentionally may not lying. Blocking it. Yeah, yeah. But obfuscating that he was there.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good question, though. I mean, I mean like, at some point we're, we, we clear it up, but yeah, I agree.
0: It's just kind of like, I'm like, just someone just give me a line so I can stop worrying about this. Yes. Because, <laughs> like, Jim's smart. He, he knows that at some point someone could have just lied about their name. Well, regardless of all of that, Jim wants to get his money back, and he doesn't care how. So he gives Rocky a call.
1: There is a line here that I just want to mention. The sheriff... Says to him, "You mean you're right and everyone else is wrong?" Mm. And Jim's like, "So far, yeah, <laughs> that's a good Jim line."
0: And that's also kind of reinforcing the like, "Is everyone in on this?" Yeah. So Jim gives Rocky a call. So I guess the town is actually called Colson. I guess. All right.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. It's the development is the Blue Lake,
0: right? Development, but this town is Colson. Yes, Jim's in a town called Colson. Uh, he wants he wants Rocky to come meet him uh, to figure out this money thing, and he wants him to bring fast harry yeah who rocky says i wouldn't take him to a chicken fight
1: like this is the first rocky lines we get uh that's my first uh contender for mm. the great rocky line from this episode um fast harry by the way his his full name in the imdb is fast harry Denova. that is an amazing name fast harry Denova. just want to say i just want to put that out there <laughs>
0: The last time Rocky saw saw Harry was also the last time he saw his fourteen carat yeah. gold lodge ring. Uh but Jim says like he needs his help. Uh tell him that he's on to something big and he's gonna cut him in on the action. Uh we're we're greeting an an old con man buddy of Jim's out of Holclaw Yeah, in order to join him in this episode. So when does Angel show up in the Rockford Files <laughs> history?
1: Uh I mean, before this. Cause this this character, uh, watching it, like I, I, not to not to to besmirch Angel or, or sorry, uh, Fast Harry at all. But watching it, I was like, they, they could have done this with Angel, right? Yeah, down to uh, Rocky not wanting to work with him. It just it felt like a good Angel role that uh, instead Fast Harry got, and Fast Harry is nowhere else in the series. This is it,
0: which is kind of a shame. Yeah, because I kind of feel like there's. I feel like there's more to Fast Harry. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we didn't get to see him do his thing. Right. Which maybe we'll talk about. Um, we, we, we cut to the three of them, Jim, Rocky, and Fast Harry, leaving a restaurant as Harry says that, I would have picked up the tab, but I don't have change for a 50. See? Yeah. <laughs> He's wearing a three-piece suit and a hat and a bow tie, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, and he can't believe that Jim got suckered uh, into you know losing all this money. So there's this whole kind of back and forth about, like, why do you want me? You know, why'd you bring me out here? Yeah. What's in it for me? And at the end of the day, there's not really anything in it for him. But but Harry owes Jim a favor. And Jim's calling that favor in was what I took away from this.
1: Yes. There's some interesting things about uh, Harry and Rocky's involvement and all this. Because Jim is setting up a con. Right. And... We don't see, we don't know what the con is, and then it it never comes to fruition. Right, right,
0: right. <laughs> There's a moment in here where Jim Jim says to Harry, but it's it sounds almost like he's imitating Rocky. Why not level?
2: Were you afraid I wouldn't come? Well,
0: I knew you would.
2: <laughs> you never done nothing for nothing in your life, Harry. That is true.
0: Yes. It, it seems like it's Jim doing a Rocky impression to right. give some stick to Harry, which I really like. Yeah, yeah, no, they're absolutely setting up a con and I'm sitting here going like, all right, let's see where this goes. Yes. And then it turns out it's not that it doesn't go anywhere. It's that it gets cut short because events change. Yeah. Like something yeah. that Jim does not expect happens, uh, which is interesting by itself, but also makes me kind of wish we could have seen what this con was going to be. Right. Like what is Jim's plan right here? Right. Yeah. They, they're going to go to blue lake separately Uh, the sales office, um, because they can't get tied together or they're going to blow the whole thing. So they're all each individually going to do something to get involved with the Blue Lake sales company and development. Um, So Fast Harry basically walks in and gets a job as a salesman.
1: Yes, (laughs) as you would if you're like, my name's Fast Harry. And they're like, you're hired.
0: I'm wearing a bow tie. You're hired. Yeah, they do. And this is uh plot relevant they have an opening they usually have 3 right salesmen and one didn't show up for work so they hired me all right and then rocky's in there kind of as a uh, as a punter as our friends across the pond would say um <laughs> looking at the model and getting the sales pitch from our fast talking sales guy that right. was giving jim the business the day previous and uh i think this is kind of the heart of the issue uh, uh, element of this episode where Rocky goes out with this sales guy to look at the parcel that he's interested in. And yeah. They just drive out into the desert and there's just nothing. And like the yeah. wind is is whistling and there's like some little shrubby, some little shrubby desert trees. This was
1: the thing about like that diorama, the, the model, the thing about it that really stuck out to me was how tall the trees were on that model. Mm-hmm. And there are no... The, you know, there's shrubs, but there are no trees out here.
0: Uh, Rocky specifically is looking at uh, a lakefront parcel. So, yes. you know, they get out there and it's just desert. And he says, where's the lake? And <laughs> uh, the salesman says, oh, it isn't in yet. But, you know, if you buy in now, this will be lakefront property. Uh, you're close to the country club, but not too close. You won't. It won't be too loud. Yeah. Uh, if you prefer the quiet, et cetera, et cetera. And he's like pointing at places. He's just like pointing at random. And he's like, that's going to be over there. And that's going to be over there. And he pitches all the benefits of all the fun lake activities.
1: There's no motorboating, safety, but uh, you can sail and blah, blah, fish. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I love about like Noah Berry's performance here is that uh, we are definitely getting a conflicted Rocky. <laughs> like, you can see that Rocky is almost buying it even though he knows that that that's not what he's here for and that's and then this guy and and a little bit later that like he he is pretty angry about what they're doing but like right here in this moment rocky is exactly the kind of person that if he wasn't prepped for this would believe that that lake was coming in and would like Mm -hmm. buy into this idyllic uh dream
0: Yes and no. I mean, I think he is playing it conflicted because you also kind of see him see the promise of it, but also he's literally looking at desert and like yeah. seeing what's actually there. And he does kind of turn at the end and he's like, okay, well, I've seen enough. And the salesman's still trying to pitch him on stuff. He's like, well, I'm going to talk to my son. Oh, we'll bring him out here. He's like, no, he'll believe me. He'll believe what yeah. I tell him. And um, and then we have one of my... This is one of my favorite transitions. I mean, it's uh, it's it's not, like, really bizarre or strange. It's just, like, so smooth and well done. The salesman ends this scene saying, like... Take a look, mister. Take a good long look. No smog. No
2: crowds. No roads. No water. No electricity. They're selling an invisible lake. So good.
0: Is this... Yeah, is this where... or where Rocky gets a little, you know, a lot of these people live on a pension and, yeah. you know, they're taking advantage of these uh, of these old people who just want to retire.
1: A lot of my notes up to this point are the question of, is Rockford just in it for his 10K or is he out for justice? Right. We don't know what his con is and we also don't know his intent with his con. And my note in this scene is like, oh, Rocky makes a play for justice. Like <laughs> he, he's, he's like, hey, they're bilking people. This might be my vote for the rocky line for this episode
2: out there where there's nothing but sand and jackrabbits, this guy tried to sell me a
1: boat
0: yes yeah
1: oh it's an exquisite line uh i don't know if that's uh if that is the one but that was
0: that's a ver that's a good one yeah i think we we i mean this whole scene is the transition for jim of whatever his plan was to yeah a new plan which i think probably involves transitioning towards justice there's some there's some text about that so there's a knock on the door um jim makes rocky go hide in the bathroom because they're not supposed to be seen with each other right for whatever this con is
1: i think just before this we sorry but there's a really good jim line i gotta drop here and that was about this justice thing where jim says so i don't remember the exact lineup but he goes yes i do and i look lousy on a white
0: horse Mm-hmm. yeah there's there's one moment where where uh rocky's like i don't know what do you think you know where, he, where yeah where rocky's like do you think it could be a good investment <laughs> yeah so i read that as jim being like we're not like no you're not gonna invest in this we're not gonna go ride horses but maybe oh I, I
1: read it as like the the white horse is the uh the good guy like he's and... not rocky was making a play for uh Putting, them, putting this company out of business because they, they were bilking old people. And Jim is like, Yeah, I think that that's what they're doing, but. Gotcha. I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm no good guy. I'm no no hero.
0: I think perhaps I, I missed exactly what was going on there, but that makes sense given the rest of the scene, I think. Yeah. Uh, because then there's this knock on the door, makes Rocky hide, and it is, in fact, Mr. Hart who wants to come in and apologize. Dun, dun, dun um so he says that uh, and and jim of course is suspicious and still doesn't like this guy uh but does let him have his say um one of his salesmen is named terry birch and that uh terry did not come into work that morning um but he knows that there's uh you know his his mother's in la and needs a lot of help or something like that so yeah. he sent someone to check and they found him and sure enough he had your money. So he hands Jim the envelope with his $10,000 plus a few hundred for his trouble. Yes. And Jim wants to know why he's being so helpful all of a sudden. Mr. Hart doesn't want Jim to press charges against Terry because it would look bad for his company for the Blue Lake land development, etc. So they go back and forth a little bit, but that's basically that's the, the takeaway. And then, um... Jim leaves it unresolved by saying that he'll he'll think about it. And then Hart leaves, and he turns around, and he's smiling, and he has his money. Rocky comes out. It's like, oh, great. What, whatever their plan was, I guess it is no longer needed. Yep. He wants to, you know, call Harry out of the bar, because that's, of course, where he's going to be. We'll head back. But Rocky wants to stay the night and drive back in the morning when it's nice and they can see the countryside. We're going to take a quick break so that everyone can walk around, stretch. Get a refreshing beverage of choice and uh, find out where you can find us on the internet when we're not talking about the Rockford files. Of course, 200 a day can be found at 200 a patreon.com slash 200 a day, and on Twitter at 200 pod. You can also email us at 200 a day podcast at com. Epi, where can our final listeners find you elsewhere on
1: the internet? Uh, you can find my games at diga 1000 holescom That's dig and then the number 1,000 and then holes.com. Or you can find my sword and sorcery fiction and games at worldswithoutmaster.com. Or you can find me on Twitter at Epidia, Epidiah, E-P-I-D-I-A-H. Uh, where can we find you upon this
0: internet? All of my stuff, including my game design, my freelance graphic design and layout work, and other projects that I do like zines and podcasts are at ndpdesign.com. You can also find me on Twitter at ndpeoletta. Uh, I'm also on Instagram at the same handle where you can see pictures of my dog. I hope you're comfortable
1: with your favorite beverage in hand as we return you now to the show. This for me is the, the one convenient bit of the plot and it's not even maybe i'm wrong about that but it's it puts rocky in position for stuff to happen later and i wasn't i i think what it was was i was trying to read more into what rocky was doing because i was like is rocky trying to get him to stay around so that they could so maybe he convinced jim to go after the company itself Mm -hmm. or is he just looking for a more pleasant drive
0: i think he's just being rocky i think he's just like it's it's late we got what we came for we already paid for the hotel. But he does need to go and and, uh, call in in Harry. So uh, we uh, go to the motel bar uh, where Harry is selling a parcel to a sweet old lady. Yeah. They have like a big like laminated map. And then he's surprised to see Jim because Jim just walks up to him. Yeah. And he's still in character, right? So he's playing off like, oh, you wanted to talk about those two parcels? Okay, well, wait for me over there. I'm still talking, you know, um, because they're not supposed to be seen together. But uh, when he hooks up with Jim, Jim got his money back. So they're going to head back. But Harry, he's so close to closing the deal. And it's his (laughs) first day as a salesman.
1: He's got this great line that's like, did I invent
0: pigeons? This is the he's the anti Rocky, right? Like this is the mother load. This is a bunch of suckers who are going to, you know, blow all their money on on real estate, and I get a commission. Yes,
1: uh, I like that he uses the fact that Jim, like he establishes that Jim is is uh, interested in property, and then sees the old lady's interest in Jim, and was like, "You could, you're going to be neighbors. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> you get to hang out next to that nice young man."
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's extremely good. Um, but here we get Jim's full transition I think in his goals here where he's like yeah this is all this is all a scam and if I have anything to do with it uh I'm gonna you know call the like the land usage board or something and get them investigated and shut down um the old lady tells Harry that she wants to buy and then Jim just fast talks this whole oh, thing of him backing so good. out of his, quote, deal.
2: What, you're not buying? Yeah,
0: I know you told me about
2: that little problem with the land because of the kids, and I appreciate that, Harry. What did Harry tell you that he didn't tell me? Oh, well, it's not a big deal, really. Uh, the land is good, uh, I guess. I mean, they haven't run any tests there in years. Tests? tests. Oh, come on, Harry. I mean, Mildred isn't going to be scared off by something that happened 30 years ago. It used to be a nuclear testing ground. You're selling radioactive land. Why there ought to be a law against it. <laughs> it's
0: episode over, right?
1: Yep, we got to see a nice, good Jim Con, like an anti-con, I guess. Like a defense. Like when he got got that woman out of it. Plenty of uh, back and forth. Jim's got his money. We're good.
0: I I looked at the time at this point. I was like, how much longer is there? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's like, this is a little over the halfway point of the episode. I think, you know, because I was kind of like, intru- like I wanted to see what this con was going to be. And I was like, oh, I guess they don't need to do it. Yeah, now they're done. Yeah. So we go to Jim drive. So they all arrive separately. So I guess they're all leaving separately. Right. So Jim's yeah. driving uh, the Firebird. He's leaving town. But then the sheriff runs up on him with his lights blazing and pulls him over. pulls Pulls his gun first thing. And has him get out of the car and pats him down and asks him where the money is. Like, how did you know I got the money back? We found a body, Terry Birch. He was shot twice behind the hotel. And you said you didn't care how you got your money back.
1: Yeah, there you go, Jim.
0: Loose lips. Uh, But yeah, dun, dun, dun. We go to the sheriff's office where Jim's getting fingerprinted. And during this whole, during most of the scene, Jim is getting fingerprinted and then like cleaning his hands off. And it's all yeah. this, like, physical business. I liked it because it did seem extremely routine. Yes. It felt really. like this is just something he's done so many times. He's just on automatic, like, to clean the ink off his fingers and stuff, uh, which I thought was a nice little inhabiting the role business.
1: It sort of echoes back the the bit about knowing uh, that it's chicken fried steak on Thursday nights. <laughs> right. My note was, uh, oh, this is how we get into it. Yeah. Like, this is, <laughs> the, the whole time I've been like, Jim's not in it yet. Mm-hmm. he's still bouncing off of what's happening uh he could have gotten away with it but nope now now you've pulled jim in now you've made your mistake you mm-hmm. you tried to set him up
0: there's kind of a a little uh nod here which so there was an earlier that i'm just thinking of now but i think it's in the episode um there was an earlier line when he was first talking to the sheriff about how like if this guy got 15 miles in any direction he would have been out of my jurisdiction yeah. The sheriff catches up to him on the road in the morning as he's leaving town. So it's yeah. like, if, if Rocky had just not been stubborn, they would have left yes. the night before and then he wouldn't have been in the jurisdiction for this whole thing. Not that he wouldn't have gotten in trouble, but like, right. I think there's a, there's an element of that that I'm like, Rocky? Um, <laughs> but yeah. So of course, uh, you know, Jim tells his story and of course, uh, Mr. Hart denies giving Jim that money. What would have been his motive? Jim had motive, uh, He had opportunity and he made public threats. Yes. And then Jim wants his phone call and there's a great line. You're not going to be one of those guys who reminds me of their rights all the time, are you? (laughs) But Jim makes his phone call. It is to Rocky, um, who they have a whole conversation. So Jim's in this cell. There's like one cell in this sheriff's office. Yeah. So Jim's in this cell, uh, Rocky's outside obviously. And they have this whole conversation without really, without us knowing what it's really about. But Rocky wants to call Beth. I'll call your lawyer. She'll get you out of this. And Jim's like, no, this is the only way I'm getting out of here. Please, you have to do this. We don't know what this is.
1: And Rocky's like, I ain't doing it. You'll get yourself killed.
0: But then Rocky shakes his head and he's about to leave. We see on his face, we're like, okay, fine. I'll do the thing. Yeah. <laughs> so he goes to the sheriff and says, uh, you better keep an eye on Jimmy because he's going to try and break out. And I don't want to see him get hurt. There's no way he could break out. Oh, that doesn't mean he's not going to try. Um, right. So he primes the sheriff, right, to to expect that Jim's going to break out, try to break out. And the sheriff is not going to let that happen. He'll keep an eye and a shotgun on him. We then reinforce this where he goes in to tell Jim that he has no chance of escaping. And Jim makes fun of him and his uh, sardine can of a jail cell. The real question is, who couldn't break out of here? The sheriff is going to stay right there all night long with his shotgun. And we see Jim give a big smile as he lies back down on the yeah. car. So. This is whatever his plan is. It's apparently going.
1: This this scene uh, and and its fruition uh, feels very maverick. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This could be a easily be a. Uh, sheriff's office in the old west right down yeah. to the like i've got a shotgun and like all of it it's good stuff uh yeah and, and i love jim just saying i'll just walk out like if i wanted to i'd just walk out of this
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, morning comes the sheriff comes in with breakfast and jim doesn't respond <laughs> there's a little you know blanket with something under it on the on the cot the sheriff's like oh he did not like goes in and pokes <laughs> it and it's just like his jacket or something so he stalks off in a rage leaving the cell door open, and Jim just (laughs) rolls out from underneath the cot and just strolls out of the cell. So a bit of a long con, but it apparently works. (laughs) He uh, hightails it to a barn somewhere where uh, he managed to get word to Rocky, who shows up with Harry. The only reason Harry came was that Rocky threatened to tell his parole officer that he had left L.A., (laughs) and we see buried uh, or, like, hidden underneath the Hey, uh the police car that jim apparently stole in order to make his escape from the area um harry said that he went to work that morning at the sales office uh but it was all locked up and they were packing things up looks like they're planning to split and yes. without heart you got nothing
1: so this is uh this part here so i'm thinking about the mystery of this right at this point we know who did it but that is that really in question like we've been well i mean obviously from the from the uh, opening montage, we we knew Hart was the, the guilty party here. We sort of know why, but not really. We don't know exactly what happened. Uh, and maybe when we get to the end, we could talk about that a little bit. But like, we know how Jim got involved. But like, this guy who took Jim's money and put it in a safe used a fake name. Then he gets killed. And those decisions, using the fake name and killing him... I'm really perplexed at this point in the story. Like, I don't know. Like, th- those are not motivated yet uh, in, in any way.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the next scene does fill that in.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe I
0: missed some of it then. So uh, Rocky and Jim go to Billy's house. Remember yes. remember Billy, who is upset, you know, and scared. She says that it's all over the news that Jim killed Terry for that money and her and Terry were seeing yeah. each other. And Jim has one of his great Jim lines. $10,000 isn't
2: enough money to kill a man for, at least not for me.
0: (laughs) Uh, I think he he makes a guess that's on target, right? Which is that Billy was in love with Terry. Um, And Jim wants to know if she wants to find out the truth. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because he surmises. So when Jim first went to the sales office and met Terry, uh, who lied to him about his name, he saw Terry, he was, like, going through files and had, like, a ledger and he was putting stuff in his, like, briefcase. Uh, so he wonders, Hart is making millions off of this whole development deal, but maybe his salesmen were not making out so well. And Terry, you know, looked for and found something that would hurt Hart. Right. And he saw Terry with his uh, attache case, as he says when he got out of the car, when he followed him um, yes. and went into the house. So if that's still there, maybe that's the evidence. And that would be the proof of whatever Hart was up to. If that's here, we can prove what happened. And so we cut to Jim on the phone with a ledger in front of him <laughs> saying, <laughs> it's all here. Yep. <laughs> uh, it turns out he's actually on the phone with Mr. Hart. Cause he says you bought a lot of protection.
1: Yeah. I think that's why I I missed it. Is that it, to explain what I said before, uh, I hit that point in my notes where I'm asking all those questions and I completely forgot about this attache part Mm -hmm. uh, because it is brought up and resolved right then and there. Immediately. Like, yeah.
0: It's like, Oh, here's what happened. Uh, Jim demands a hundred thousand dollars to stay quiet. 50,000 for the murder rap, and 50,000 to return the papers. Yes. Hart asks, where, where does he want to make the exchange? And he says, let's do it at the lake. And so we, uh, we cut to Jim in the middle of the desert and as a long, long time Rockford Files watcher, I'm like, all right, he's, he's got something set to spring when the, uh, yes, when this goes down, uh, let's see what his plan is. Hart rolls up with his, uh, salesman goon, um, who is officially a goon at this point, the fast talking salesman guy. And then another random, uh, tough. They have a briefcase full of money. Jim has the papers Jim gives the papers over and says, all right, where's my money? And then our salesman goon pulls a gun. It's going to escort Jim to the center of the lake, like Terry. And we have the, the quip uh, from the preview montage of uh, the cause of death will be drowning. Or...
1: Yeah, I mean, clearly with a bullet in him. <laughs>
0: right, clearly.
1: and There's no lake there anyway, so what does it matter?
0: Once he's like, we are going to kill you. And then Jim says, like Terry. Terry wanted a bigger piece of the action, and uh that's when a helicopter comes into view in the background, and Jim lifts his hand, and he had a, not a receiver, but he had like the walkie-talkie, like radio, like wired into the car yeah, yeah. thing. Like the sheriff's been listening to this whole conversation, dun-dun-dun, uh, so Hart jumps back into his car and tries to take off as this helicopter lands, and Jim jumps in the Firebird, and we have a desert car chase.
1: At this point, I'd forgotten about the helicopter and then it showed up (laughs) and my brain was like, how does Colson, this tiny little town, but whatever, it's good. We get a a helicopter in a car chase here.
0: Um, So this is a fun, a fun car chase, uh, mainly because it's, you know, not on roads.
1: (laughs) Yeah, is uh, it's on the Fury Road.
0: It is on the Fury Road. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. There's two things I really like about it. It's not particularly long, and uh, you know we, we we get what we're here for, which is seeing cars ride around in the desert and lots of yeah uh, dirt Dust kicking and up and everything. Yeah, but uh, part of it is that we get a lot of the perspective of the helicopter. Because the helicopter's following them and kind of hovering yeah. over them and bumps Hart's car on the top a couple times um in a classic maneuver.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say the standard uh helicopter attack. Right, <laughs> <The> helicopter attack. <laughs> like just I'm just reminding you I'm a helicopter.
0: Our our point of view keeps switching from like on the ground to yeah. from the helicopter, uh, which is again, let's get as much use out of this helicopter as we can, which is great. Yeah. Um, and then uh we basically have Jim keeping pace with Hart and just, just needs to out endurance him, right? Um, right. Cause he doesn't have anywhere to go.
1: Yeah. What, what is Hart's plan here? Right. He's just running. He's just one of those jackrabbits. Just one of those jackrabbits. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so Jim keeps pace. Uh, there's one, there's this one really beautiful shot from the ground where. The two cars are in the front, and then the helicopter's right behind them, so they're in, like, a three-vehicle formation that's, like, really, really nice. Like, it's a very every-frame-of-painting kind of uh, composition, (laughs) uh, which I really liked. But Jim basically keeps pace with him and eventually kind of forces him into a little, like, rock outcropping, and his car bottoms out, going over these big rocks, and then crashes into a pit of dirt and is stuck that is the end of mr Hart's ambitions to uh swindle old people out of their money for a bunch of dirt
1: and I I dig that like I like I said I don't we don't know Hart's plan because he doesn't have one he's just panicking uh, but then we still get a rockford files let's use the terrain mm-hmm. let's let Jim think through what he's going to do about this situation
0: one thing that this scene also has is a bunch of squealing tire uh foley which (laughs) is uh one of those things that you can't stop paying attention to once you're like wait a minute (laughs) because uh uh, tires that are not on asphalt are not going to make the squealing sound i know it's a persnickety dumb thing but i once i was like oh they're doing tire squeals and then it's like the entire chase all right that's a choice It's just how TV is sometimes. That's fine.
1: You would imagine that this person whose job it is to add tire squeals to the chases all the time Mm -hmm. is probably doing it for this one going, it doesn't make sense here. It doesn't make sense here. But if we don't have it, this is a really quiet chase.
0: Right. So we end our episode at the sheriff's office. Yay. Uh, So he's been on the side of justice this whole time. Just he's had incomplete information. So it's not like he's been in on anything. Uh, But he can't let Jim go because after all, he did steal a police car and break out of jail. Yes. But he does say, I'd let you go if I could. And this is an entree for Jim's strong play here at the end of this episode, which might be my favorite thing about the episode.
2: Yeah, I agree. Well, it's a shame. I mean, you got Walter Hart for fraud, attempted murder, murder one. It's going to make all the headlines when I tell my side of the story. Yeah, I'm going to look like a jackass, I know. Of course, if we'd been working together, that'd change the whole picture. I mean, you were just playing along with them until you could drop the net and there's no law that says an unofficial deputy can't use the police car, and who is gonna believe that I could walk right out of your jail without your help, huh?
0: Yeah, <laughs> and uh, we see the sheriff kind of acknowledge that this is really in everyone's best interest. Yes, <laughs> as long as he, he just needs to stay available for the trial, uh, and then he dumps out all their like Manila folders of effects on the on the desk. Oh yeah, and Rocky see something bouncing my lodge ring (laughs) i want to file a complaint uh because harry is saying oh come on that's my that's my dear old father's lodge ring yes did he have the initials uh jr well funny story (laughs) yeah and jim's like let's just go let's just go come on let's just go no i want to file a complaint (laughs) our last line is the sheriff saying runs in the family yep (laughs) <laughs> and we freeze on Jim's wry shrug and smile.
1: Yep. Uh that was a that was uh a, a fun ride of an episode. I, think, I I think I mentioned it was uh precisely what I needed at the time <laughs> I got it. The pacing on it is really interesting. I like how uh uh relaxed it is even though it has tension in it and going mm-hmm. on, but you just like sort of take your time getting to things. And like you were saying, like the economy of the cuts where they were, uh, especially that, that early one with the, um, you know, he, he says, you know, call the cops or whatever. And then we cut to where the cop is explaining how he's not going to help them. Right. Situation. Yeah. We,
0: we, we get the whole implied scene in between of yeah all of the back and forth and the accusation and counter accusation. Like, yeah, that all happened. We didn't need to see it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the mystery is interesting because I don't feel like for an audience the tension isn't in in solving the mystery for us. Yeah, we we know from the moment Hart is like I don't know who you're talking about. On we uh, well from the opening montage we know Hart is the villain.
0: Right, right. I do wonder if it would be like a little different if he wasn't in the opening montage. Yeah, you know, like if instead of seeing him we just either like heard him off screen or we just saw like the salesman goon with the gun or something
1: yeah maybe just a little bit more of the chase that's all. Or a little
0: bit more of the chase
1: yeah um but but like we we know i mean we know from when jim turns into this town <laughs> and, and he's like i need to put something in a safe that is yeah. not that's gonna get taken away from whatever that ends up being and right, right. it fills that that pattern that i love which is the uh your life would have been so much better off if you just let Jim go through your town, right? Like but instead, uh you had to frame him for this mm-hmm. murder, that's where you went wrong.
0: There's a lot of like implied story that is kind of interesting that we don't see. Like does, you know, does Hart know from the moment that Jim starts talking that he's talking about Terry? Right. Or does he kind of put two and two together?
1: Well, he has to know something because the money wasn't in the safe right right so maybe he uh realized that that money like okay maybe terry had the money on him maybe terry came back and grabbed the money to make a run right and then he, he took the money off of terry when he killed him or when one of his goons killed him and then th- that's why it wasn't in the safe but like I if, if I had just killed Terry, I would not have also stolen the money that just went in the safe. I would have let Rockford walk away with that money.
0: Oh, right. I would have just given it back to him then and been like, yep, here's your money.
1: But also, Hart is just a con man.
0: I think the timeline implies that Terry took the money and then he gets caught up with the next day, like the next night, because they find the body right. the day after.
1: That's true. Yes. I was thinking that because he he said... He gave, gave the money to, yeah, so Terry took the money, and then he probably killed Terry and found the money. Right. And, and so he knew to get rid of Rockford that he, to give him the money. Put the extra $200 in it, which I love <laughs> because it's a day. It's a day of Rockford's work. <laughs> you know, it's like, there you go.
0: Well, so he ends up up on the deal, right, because he paid a $50 bribe.
1: Right which he can expense nice i think money wise rockford he didn't make his 200 a day because he was here for i think 3 days
0: and he also had to get his car fixed
1: yeah but nonetheless he he uh, and and he's out the hotel because he he could probably expense the first night of the hotel, but not the second. Hmm. Um, yeah, we're getting into, did he eat anything? I don't think he ate at all.
0: We know that Harry did not pick up the tab at the restaurant. Yes. So, yeah. Which
1: was less than $50 because they couldn't give change for a $50 mm-hmm. bill. Right. Uh, yeah, so Harry was interesting, too. Uh, yeah, having...
0: so it's a little, like, why was Harry in this episode? I don't <laughs> mind. I like Harry DeNova. He is a fun character, and seeing him and Jim banter was good. There was, there
1: was like, a little tidbit early in the episode where, you know, it's one of those throwaway things of, like, uh, I th- uh, Rocky said, he tried to sell my pickup. Yeah. Right? And so I think what we're getting is that terry sells things usually thinks he doesn't own
0: harry you know that yeah. that
1: kind of con man mm-hmm. the the one that's like i've got you want to buy a bridge i've got a bridge to sell mm-hmm. you you know that kind of thing um but yeah like uh, if if i were making the decision before the episode was made if i were making the decision and somebody said well we can either make this new character uh i'll even tell you that his name is fast harry de nova <laughs> uh or we can go with angel I would be like, well, just go with Angel, right? Like Mm -hmm. uh, Angel can do all of these things, create all of these tense situations, still be a liability for Jim. Uh, But if I was in season two and I was like, maybe we want to create more disreputable people that Jim knows. A
0: wider network of con men.
1: Yeah. Then this is a good character to introduce for that.
0: It's something it's interesting to me because it's like kind of like structurally, like what purpose does having this character serve in this story? Right. In one way, it's kind of like a very live it's it's for it's for creating the lived inness of this world a little bit where Jim has a plan. So if he has a plan, he needs to get someone else to be in on this plan. Yeah. Right. Like that's like necessitated by the you know, the coherence of the of the world. So even though the, when you're writing the story, you know that that plan is never going to come to fruition. Right. You still need someone to come in to give that coherence to the yeah. initial plan. Um, and then thematically, Harry's like, uh, I guess he's emphasizing the con and nature of the enterprise, like how he just so easily falls it. They're like, Oh yeah, sure. You can be a salesman. And he's like, this is so easy. I'm just bilking old people out of their retirement savings. Yes. <laughs> I think that's the like, thematic reason he's there because we don't want jim to be that person and rocky's not going to be that person and Hart is the villain in like a more concrete sense it's just interesting because it's like we never see harry do his thing
1: yeah yeah we we see him adapt to the role straight off the bat but not like what he's going to do once he's in there
0: yeah like we we don't know what the con was and i still kind of wish that i could have seen the alternate cut of this where we see the con yeah uh, because i feel like it would have been fun
1: i do enjoy that i mean like i mentioned fury road there's a uh, that great scene in fury road where uh mad it's near the end where uh they're having they're being shot at from a great distance mm. at night and Mad Max just wanders off and then he comes back and you don't see that right. he is gone and just wiped all these people out uh, because you don't have to. What's more exciting is the aftermath. So I don't mind having like that thing happen, but it's, it is in this case, it does leave the question of, of fast Harry. Right. I, I kind of like that. They don't show us what, it, uh, that it falls apart and we don't need to see what it is. Mm. Oh, I think then there's a fast Harry beat that we don't quite have maybe it's the the lodging coming back you know maybe it's that or uh maybe it's a thing then where fast Harry uh drops the the dime on uh Rockford getting out of town and that's what brings it back you know Mm uh you know they didn't do that, but like one more bit with fast Harry would have just kind of gave it something else. I think.
0: Yeah, I, it's it's one of those where it's like this could have gone in lots of ways. There's no reason it had to go in other ways, but there, yes. you know, it's kind of fun to think about the other versions of this episode. Um, so I think I mentioned at the beginning that this is a bit of a proto issue episode. Oh yeah. The entry on this in, in 30 Years of the Rockford Files" uh, quotes Winnie Bartlett as saying that the idea for it came from reading an article. I think it might have been like a like a Time magazine article or something. I don't have the book red hand, so I don't have the actual quote to read. But um, she, she read an article about this thing about uh, land development scams, where ah. they are designed to part retirees in particular uh from their money by investing in these land developments that are never gonna go anywhere. Yeah. And uh she thought that was terrible. But it's a hook for the episode to like show that this is a thing and also, you know, show show the comeuppance of the architect of the scam. Uh and I guess the proto part for me is that if you if you didn't know that factoid, I don't know if that a hundred percent comes through in this episode the way that uh the issue of of grand jury you know malpractice comes through and so help me god etc the other ones that we talk about all the time it's not quite as like central to the yeah uh, i don't know to the audience experience um but it is certainly played to show how it is bad (laughs) yes and we do get a
1: little like uh rocky uh talking about how it's bad and
0: yeah we get to hear the we get to hear the issue from the voice of of uh Rocky who would be the person who would be targeted by yeah this game yeah uh yeah fun episode uh kind of i I felt like I was I, I was left wanting a little more just because it ended up zigging when I thought it would zag and I kind of wanted yeah. to see the zag yeah <laughs> that's fine it's a the the story is told the way that they decided to tell it and there's nothing wrong with that so
1: yeah, a choice was made.
0: And we got a lot of good helicopter.
1: We did. We, they they uh, paid off. Mm-hmm. The helicopter tapped the roof of a car, which is all I need. It's
0: all we need. <laughs> well, uh, thank you to uh, listener Diego for the recommendation.
1: Yeah, thank you.
0: Yeah, do you have any other thoughts on the Great Blue Lake Land and Development Company?
1: That, no, and then I'm going to give you them. Uh, no, it's just kind of fun. I'm enjoying, uh, now that we've done so many, to like... I, I'm enjoying that we occasionally pop back to these earlier ones and uh, see a little bit about the uh, where they where they're finding the show. Mm-hmm. This one feels like I said in the beginning. This feels a little bit like it, it feels like a well formed show, but it also doesn't. I don't know how to say it, so I'm going to go back.
0: No, it's, it's not quite dialed in yet. Like
1: yeah, yeah. It's, it's almost there.
0: Yeah. The pieces are all there, but it's, there's something about it where it's not quite as, it doesn't have quite as much rockfordishness as maybe we would assume.
1: Right. I think, which doesn't detract from it at all. I was just like, it's interesting to see it in that context.
0: Cause there's also some comments on the IMDb reviews of how like this echoes, uh, at least one Maverick episode. I don't think it's the exact same plot, but it has. Something similar.
1: I was going to say that, it, that the whole prison scene was yeah, very
0: was very maverick. Yeah, but also this is this is also kind of an episode that could have been done like another TV show could have done this episode. Yeah, as opposed to the very Rockfordy ones where it's like, yeah, only the Rockford Files would do this. Like this yeah. this episode could have been done in a different show without really changing anything. And I think maybe that's a little bit of this that sense of like it not quite being all dialed in. It's not because it's bad. It's just because. It, it still has the possibility of having other people do it, <laughs> right? Sure, yes. So I see what you get. So yeah. it's not quite at the hundred percent Rockfordishness yeah. level. <laughs> well, uh, that's all good. I think it's time to hit the old desert trail and yeah. get out of these small towns before something else happens. So we will see you next time to talk about another episode of the Rockford Files. Puepue.
1: Bueno, pues pue.
0: Bueno, 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 pues.